Christmas in Texas, it'll be about 103. Christmas in Texas, watching the snow falling on TV. Christmas in Texas, I better grab another bag of ice. Christmas in Texas, cause warm on star beer Good morning, good morning, good morning. That is John Evans, Christmas in Texas, kicking things off for us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for dropping by today. I do appreciate it. Thanks to Lone Star Beer, our longtime presenting sponsor as well. We've got a great show lined up for you today, despite the fact that it doesn't feel like Christmas. It's been 75, 80 degrees this week in Texas. I tell you what, man. We need some cold weather because we need some ducks. I need some ducks. The ponds on the old duck lease are looking pretty bleak. So come on, old man winter. Send us one of those Arctic blasts from the great white north. We certainly need it. Anyway, what is on the docket for today? Let me tell you. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one granddad passed down to you years ago probably still got mud caked on it from duck seasons come and gone at least mine does Uh, maybe you spike it with some of granddaddy's cough syrup whatever you fancy just pour yourself another cup pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire because we're ready to rock and roll and off the top i'm super excited to have my son henry join us in studio we're gonna revisit our weekend uh the weekend after thanksgiving that we shared at the deer lease henry took his first white-tailed doe. Uh, We got a couple other animals on the ground as well, and we'll get into that when he joins me in studio. Couldn't do it last week because I was in quarantine, and uh, it was so nice to finally, after 10 days, uh, to be able to give the kids a hug. And uh, I mean, just human contact. I don't see how people live in isolation for extended periods of time. I really don't. Uh, So anyway, Henry will be here then. We will check in with Wes Knight of Knight's Custom Boots. I don't know that there's anything, well, there's certainly things more rewarding, but it's pretty damn cool to be able to say, I killed this animal, and not only did I eat it, but now I'm wearing it on my feet or wearing it as clothing. Uh, And I was fortunate enough to have that experience. And Wes made something that I harvested into a pretty cool pair of boots and we're going to get into that in a bit and then we'll wrap up the broadcast by revisiting the trump administration's impact on hunting and conservation were they good were they bad average um sci's director of governmental affairs ben cassidy will make his return to the show and we'll revisit the trump era and then look forward to what the future might hold when the Biden administration takes over um, pertaining to hunting and conservation and specifically trophy importation, international trophy importation. Uh, What does he expect their stance will be on that front? So interesting stuff coming up with Ben here at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Let's, um, Let's do this. Let's do a quick giveaway How about, uh, what do we have today? It's the Christmas season. How about a box of 30-30 ammo? I didn't know this stuff was so hard to find until I I recently made a post that 
I was going to be putting a new Vortex scope on my granddad's 3030 that I inherited. And I'm going to try to take a, a whitetail buck in South Texas at the beginning of uh, 2021, be down there in January. And so a pretty nostalgic and meaningful endeavor for me personally. But uh, people were like, well, I hope you got some ammunition with that gun. So <laughs> apparently it's like uh, not available due to the pandemic and ammunition i mean go to hell go to cabela's or bass pro there's literally nothing on the shelves uh, but 3030 seems to be extremely hard to find so i've got a box that hornady sent uh, when i told them i was working on this project they sent me about seven or eight boxes and i'm going to give one away to you guys today one of y'all so just email the word let's do granddad for my granddad just granddad and i'm sure so many of y'all have similar family heirlooms that once belonged to your granddads. I'm sure they mean the world to you. This one certainly does to me. Uh, but yeah, just email the word granddad to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and you are entered into this week's 3030 giveaway brought to you by Hornady. Um, let's take a break. Up next, we're going to keep that family tradition alive and well with the next generation. Henry joins me in studio next on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Christmas in Dixie, it's snowing in the pines. Merry Christmas from Dixie. Texas Premium Power Sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call Chad at 830-776-3605. There's a little Shane Smith and the Saints bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Lone Star Beer. Cable Smith here with you. That one by request from Henry Guy Smith, uh, who is about to join us here in studio. It's so funny to think about the way I grew up consuming music, like with a cassette tape in a little radio right there by my bed, waiting for my favorite song to come on so I could hit record. Recorded onto my cassette tape. <laughs> it was the epic mixtape, right? So many of y'all probably had similar experiences. Now, I walk into the living room and hear Henry say, Alexa, play Shane Smith and the Saints, or play Turnpike Troubadours. 
So at least he knows good music, but uh, certainly a far cry from the way most of us <laughs> grew up. And I would say that as far as that is concerned, they have it way better than we did. Now, I think it's certainly a much scarier time to be a kid in 2020s compared to 1985. But, you know, uh, at least they have Alexa, who's probably spying on us. So maybe that's a bad thing. But anyway, uh, Cable Smith here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today as Henry is about to join us before he jumps on. However, this segment of the show brought to you by First Lights Seek Storm Tight Jacket. This is the best piece of rain gear that I own. And it's funny because I had handed Henry like an old, a 10-year-old just probably some coat that I bought, a rain jacket that I got at Academy for like $10, came with a pair of pants. Those have long been shredded up, uh, but just about the equivalent of just, you know, throwing a trash bag over your clothes and calling it good. Uh, so he saw that, that Seek storm tight jacket that dad had on. He's like, dad, can we trade? <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. I mean, it, it fit him like a, uh, a, a nightgown essentially, but it uh, kept him high and dry while we were hunting in the rain the other day. It's also breathable, so they got that functionality to keep your perspiration down while still keeping you dry. Check it out. It's the Seek Storm Tight Rain Jacket. You can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. And with that being said, making his return to the show to talk a little white-tailed deer hunting, it is my pleasure to welcome my boy, Henry Guy Smith, back to the show. Hey. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Um, it's been a crazy... And boring last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Mm, yeah. Because of quarantine. Yep. And uh, but you uh, you have never shown any symptoms of the old COVID. I think nope. you you just didn't get it. Or mm -hmm. kids don't aren't as uh, susceptible to it. So yeah. Um, but uh, the last really fun thing we did was go to the deer lease. Yeah. Uh huh. And we're going to talk about that trip. But before we do that. You've been on a few other hunting excursions so far this season. Mm, yep. What have we done? Um, go duck hunting. How many duck hunts have you been on this year? Three. How many have your sisters been on? One. Do you think that's enough for them? <laughs> Maybe probably like once or twice a season. <laughs> yeah. So what's their problem? Why 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 don't they uh why aren't they very good at duck hunting? Um First of all, they're too loud and they can't stay as still. That's right. I remember though a time, I think you were like four. They're five now, but I mm -hmm. think you were four. No, they're I, six. Oh, they did just turn six. Mm -hmm. I forgot yeah. they turned six on Thanksgiving. That's right. So they're six. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I remember when I took you on your first duck hunt, I think you were four and you had your BB gun. I don't think you were that still then. But that was funny when you looked over at me. I think you said, so much for this duck hunt. <laughs> Because <laughs> they were being rowdy, huh? Yeah. In that day, we got like two ducks. But no, it was four, actually. Oh, four. Got four. That's right. One yeah. for each kiddo, because our, our friend Josh mm -hmm. had his son, too. Yep. And that was his first duck hunt, so. But that's all right. Opening day, we got, uh, we got a limit. Mm-hmm. And um, it was supposed to rain that day, and the girls said they didn't want to go, but yeah. you, all, you still wanted to go. Yep. We got 12 ducks between Josh and I. Yep. Yeah. Um, when do you think you're going to start duck hunting and actually shooting? I don't know. You asked me to get you a shotgun. Yeah. I'm going to get you that 410. Mm-hmm. See? 
maybe next year. We'll see. We'll yep. see. Do you remember last spring? You you came to me after deer season and you said, "Dad, I want to. I think I want to shoot a deer." Yep. Did I ever before that say, "Henry, you have to shoot this gun," or "I want you to shoot a deer"? No. Never did, huh? Mm-hmm. So I was pretty excited whenever you came to me and said you you mm-hmm. wanted to do that. Yep. And I said, "Well, we got to practice, 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 practice." And we've talked about that before because you shot a black buck doe at our friend Glenn's ranch this summer. Uh huh. And we used quarantine as an opportunity to get really familiar with what what kind of gun? Um, Caliber. The two two fifty. Yep, the twenty two two fifty. Yeah. And you're comfortable shooting that. And then we kind of went in reverse order because uh-huh. I got you a... And we got the 17 HMR. And you like shooting that one a lot. Yeah. Because it doesn't recoil at all. No. Uh-huh. I mean, not that the two, 22-250 does. Right. But... But a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're confident with both of those. Yep. And, okay. So we said after Thanksgiving, um, we're going to load up the truck and you and I headed out of Dodge and to the deer lease and... We got there, and we lo- actually we loaded up all those Thanksgiving leftovers, which was oh really yeah, good. that was good. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure so many other people out there listening do the same thing as part of their tradition, um, and that's the cool thing about being a dad and having a young kid is we get to make our own traditions as we go. Yep. And I think that's probably a new one for us. Um, but so we get out there Friday. And we're going to let you try to get a doe, mm-hmm. maybe a hog, um, and hopefully dad get a buck. Because mm-hmm. we can only take one buck on our lease, and yeah. you ain't taking my buck. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see, this is our third year on this place, and you were with me the first, you were with me opening weekend two years ago yes. when I shot that buck that's right above your head. Look at that one. Yeah. And that was cool. Mm, uh, you yep. tracked it for me and found him. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I did, actually. Yeah, you were five at the time. Yeah, so that was fun. And then I had a couple nice bucks on camera, though. Mm -hmm. One hadn't been around since, like, November 3rd or 4th, so he was kind of like the (laughs) 4th. Henry knows because he goes through the the app on my phone and is always checking the trail cameras. Uh, But we had a nice 10-point that was coming, like, every third, fourth day. He was coming by the feeder. Well, we thought he was a 10-point, and then he had, like, two little inch like little nubs henry don't spoil the ending when we now everyone knows we shot it (laughs) no i'm just kidding buddy but on friday we got there and we immediately realized there was a pretty big boar Mm -hmm. already at the feeder feeder. yeah and i love this setup because we have the wheat field behind us and over Mm -hmm. our shoulder and we have the feeder in front of us and then there's a creek to our left and it's just like a super highway for animal activity I love that that area. Lots of travel corridors and food sources. But that hog beat us there, dude. He was yeah. there at like 345, very early. And then we got there at like 4. Mm-hmm. And then we snuck, got, snuck up on him and shot him. Shot him at like 30 yards. Mm-hmm. And then we board. realized he was like 280 pounds. He was a giant. I could not get him in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> we had to drag him off, yeah. And hopefully next time we go, the uh, the buzzards and coyotes will have worked their magic on that skull. We can get it. Yeah, we can get a skull. We had some nice cutters on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we, I think we went and sat maybe in in another blind. Didn't see anything that afternoon. The next morning came, 
and um, it, it started raining, and then um, I think you woke me up and you was like, do you still want to go hunting? It's raining. And then I said yes, which kind of seems obvious. And then we went. We sat in Carter's blind that morning. And we saw a nice eight point that Mm -hmm. hung out for a long time. Yeah. You kind of got mad. You wanted me to shoot him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I said, we can't shoot that one because Mm -hmm. there's a nicer one out there. An an older one, more mature. Mm -hmm. That buck needs another year or two. But it was nice to see him. Yes. And he hung out for a long time. No does came, though, which no. you were like, you know, it seems it's like one of those things where there's always does. And then when you're trying when you're looking for one, they disappear. Mm-hmm. And then that night, it was like really raining. So we went up to like the blind where we shot the hog. And then this pig came but he was like coming from the left and then he walked right across the feeder didn't even like eat anything and then he didn't stay long and then he we couldn't see him anymore and then like 10 minutes later the doe came and i shot him Uh and there was three does yeah and i'm glad so you know you were trying to get comfortable to possibly shoot that pig yeah but he, like you said, he literally was in and out of there in like mm-hmm. 30 seconds. And you're shooting off of the Kofiager Reaper grip with a tripod. Yes. Highly recommend it for kiddos, by the way. Uh, keeps them real confident and adds stability. So helps mm-hmm. with good habits and yes. stuff. Uh, I know you you love shooting off that thing. Mm-hmm. You've even tried to shoot off of like a lead sled, like on a table. Yeah. And you didn't like that as much as no. the, the Kofiager. Yeah. Um, so we got that set up in the blind. The pig comes and goes. Then it's it's raining pretty hard at this mm-hmm. point. Not like yeah. pouring, but no, it's raining. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I look behind us, and there's three bucks feeding in the wheat field. Yes. And then these three does start slinking through, and they weren't like you know how deer like stop and like yeah. put their head up and look around. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. They came no. straight in. Yeah. And I think um, I had this biologist on last week, Henry, and he said the rain makes them kind of lose their sense of awareness a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. So they'd be de- they definitely got more, a lot more active. They did in the rain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they come in, and you, how did you decide which one to pick out? I mean, I sort of just decided on one and just waited it for to turn, like the right way to shoot it, and then Call I called broadside, shot, right? Yeah, broadside, and uh-huh. then I just shot it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. where did Dad tell you to shoot this one? You shot the black buck in the neck. Yeah. I didn't want you to shoot. I the, shot it right in the shoulder. Right behind the like, shoulder. Well, yeah. Perfect shot. Yeah. And that's where, what what's located right there? The lungs and like heart. That's right. That's right, buddy. And you made a perfect shot. I like blew up its lungs though. <laughs> yeah, you did. Blow, well, luckily we don't eat the lungs. So uh-huh. yeah, you blew those up pretty good. Made a perfect shot. She dropped. I was videoing it. Yeah. And got a little bit of the footage, uh, but I was trying with my cell, my cell phone because I really didn't want to distract from what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it drop. Yes. And we got out of the blind pretty quick because with the rain, I didn't want to have to track a blood trail. So we pretty yeah. much walked right up to her. But yeah, dude, so you made a great shot, mm-hmm. dropped her in her tracks. You told me afterwards, and you didn't say this in the moment, but you said that your stomach was a little like yeah. queasy, but yeah. not like you were going to throw up. Just no. kind of a weird feeling that uh-huh. you never felt before. And that's called adrenaline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that happens to all hunters. So it'll, you'll probably feel that sensation 
every time you shoot an animal. Mm, it's yeah. it's totally natural and it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Were you proud of yourself? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's okay to be proud of yourself. Not boastful, but you you should be proud. You're seven mm-hmm. years old and you made a great shot on a on your first white tail. Mm-hmm. Um, then then the fun started of getting her loaded up in the truck. Yes. Which at that point you seemed to mo- to be equally as excited about the amount of mud getting on daddy's truck as you did shooting your deer. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of the mud in my back seat, which we had a little talk about, right? <laughs> uh, no, but I was super, super stoked and, and excited for you and proud of you, bud. Um, you did everything I asked you to do leading up to this moment. And you're the one that wanted this moment and and you made it you know, you made that goal a reality. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so we got her loaded up. Then dad spent like the next couple hours cutting her up on the tailgate of the truck in the rain. We got her in the cooler. Uh, Then the next morning. It's still raining. Still raining. Oh yeah, it's raining. And I was like, I don't know if I want to risk taking my truck through the wheat field today <laughs> yeah more mud scared to take the truck I, I did not want to get stuck that is correct one of the, the guy who got kicked off the lease last year for shooting the two and a half year old drop tine buck mm-hmm. yeah he got his truck stuck out there and had to get the the uh the neighboring farmer to bring his tractor over and pull him out i did not want to do that in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't seem too worried about it though no. So based off of your expert opinion, we went... My expert opinion. We went... Two reasons. He doesn't have a lift, and his truck probably doesn't have four-wheel drive. Those things might be true, actually. So yeah. uh, we ended up going back to the same place. Nice, mm-hmm. dry, warm blind. And that's the only place that I'd had pictures of, of a shooter buck coming anyway. Yes. Um, I'm looking back into the wheat field thinking these animals are going to be moving into, you know, an open area yes. where they can see a long ways yeah. in, in, in the rain, um, because they, their hearing is affected with all the raindrops and everything. So yes. I would think they'd want to see danger coming from a ways away. So I'm looking over there. It's probably seven forty-five in the morning. And when I look, I look back and the buck is standing Right there. You but it like, head down. I didn't know it was him. Yeah, I didn't see it either, especially since the grass is so tall and yeah. that, at like that feeder. And then you were like, there's a buck at the feeder. Yeah. So you looked at your scope um, and you were like, that's the buck we need to shoot. Binos first. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then I, well, as soon as he lifted his head, I mean, he, he was a nice 10 point, we thought. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh, buddy, that's him. And then yep. got the 270 on him, waited for him to turn quartering it's called quartering away mm. so his body was angled yes. mostly broadside yeah and dad dropped him in his tracks mm-hmm. which was awesome yep <laughs> but the crazy thing is everything was at the same feeder we shot the pig the first day then uh-huh. i shot my dumb and then you shot your buck that's a i know that's a lot of activity because uh-huh. at the same feeder. each time we drove the truck up there loaded them up mm-hmm. um but i think going back to the rain the rain washes mm, yeah. away human scent. Yeah. And so I don't think we disturbed it as much as we would, would have. Would have if yeah. it didn't rain. Because mm-hmm. normally, yeah, if you shoot so, if you shoot something at a feeder. It doesn't, nothing comes the next like four, three or four days. For a little while, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, that wasn't the case though. So mm-hmm. anyway, we get up there and like you said, he ended up having two extra little points on him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. One really cool one coming out of like the base yeah. of his antlers. And it like 
Yeah. It was like a loop-de-loop almost. Uh-huh. And he was a nice buck. And then I looked at you and, and after I shot him, I said, Henry, I got that feeling in my stomach now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the hard part was getting him in the truck. You tried like twice. And then I thought you were like, put the camera down because I was taking pictures of yeah. him trying to get it in the tailgate. And he was like, come help me. So we got it in there, the back. And then... We didn't have time because that was like the day we were leaving. Yep. So we just took that one to the processor. Yeah, Dad didn't have to cut that one up. Nope. Nope. Just took him took him over to Cinnamon Creek Ranch. And we got, I let you pick out all those delicious, what do you, you got jerky and meatballs and sausage. I also got brisket. Brisket? Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you got the vin- the ground venison burgers with brisket added mm-hmm. to it. I haven't had that one before. It's going to be delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, um, that was probably <laughs> one of my most fun hunting trips ever. And it rained on us the whole time. And, yeah. and the animals just kept moving around. Um, God was good and, and blessed us with, with three animals. I've decided I started to like hunting in the rain. I know. Now we just need first light to make some youth-sized rain gear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're not sure. wearing dads. That's like the size of a trench coat on you. I mean, it kind of fits. Yeah. Well, dude, you're my my favorite hunting partner, and uh, I look forward to many more weekends like that one with you. I love you, and I'm proud of you. Thank you. All right, buddy. Get out of here. Thanks for <laughs> having me. <laughs> you're welcome. Anytime. So there he goes, Mr. Henry, recounting taking his first white-tailed deer. Awesome weekend for both of us. That segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Uh, We talked about the feeders. We were using the 600-pound stand and fill. So easy. You don't need a ladder. You don't need to stand on your uh, in the bed of your truck. You just stand there on the ground and fill up the feeder. Pigs can't knock it over. Cows can't either. It's the 600-pound stand and fill. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Coming up next, I'm not sure if there's anything more rewarding than harvesting an animal and not only eating it, but then walking around while wearing its skin. We discuss next with Wes Knight of Knight's Custom Boots on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. With your Christmas of white, but I have a blue. Texas Premium Power Sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road, and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer lease or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give them a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs.
In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Hi, this is Ted Cruz. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Oh yeah, the way. These are my boots. Same size my grandpa wore when he bought for me on foreign soil. These are my boots. And they wear the same dirt from the same fields. My daddy's dear, so dear. My Boots, the name of that one from Travis Meadows, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you. Highly appropriate, too, as we're about to talk about My Boots, and we'll do that with Wes Knight of Knight's Custom Boots momentarily. First, however, this segment brought to you by SCI. When it comes to protecting your rights as a hunter, ensuring the conservation of big game species across the world, and educating the public Nobody is doing more than SCI. I'm a proud member. I encourage you to become a member if you're not already. For more information, head over to safariclub.org. SCI, first for hunters. And with that being said, uh, let's bring him on right now, our good friend, Wes Knight of Knight's Custom Boots. Thanks for being here, Wes. Hey, thank you for having me. My pleasure, brother. Got a little interference there, but uh, how has your hunting season been? Uh, not too bad, actually. Um, my six and a half year old got to shoot his first buck this year, so Wyatt. So he's been pretty. Um, he's pretty excited about that. It's a. It's a pretty good moment, especially for a dad. So. Oh yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, we'll have to get Wyatt and Henry together someday because uh, Henry shot his first doe. Actually, Henry is on the show today, talking about that. So I. Uh, I certainly can relate to that uh overwhelming feeling of pride and and knowing that you're raising your kid the right way um i think there's a sense of validation there oh yeah absolutely and that means you get to hang up your rifle because then you never get to shoot anything again well luckily uh, dad gets to call this work so i told him i said uh you're not shooting my buck (laughs) yeah but but no certainly i think the uh the amount of trigger time that you and i each get is now on the on the downslope for a little while anyway. Yeah, way more binocular time. So yeah, but that's that's the way it goes, and 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 I think that uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. No way, man. I I love taking them out. We've got a three year old that's going to be following right behind him. So yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. That's for sure. So I know you're a big fan of the uh, the 270, a caliber that I like a lot. I think it's the uh, perfect. You know Texas hunting caliber for for whitetail and and feral hogs. Yeah, absolutely. And you took something a lot bigger with it though recently. Yeah, so I shot a Oryx um, down at Aguavita Ranch in mm-hmm. Rock Springs three weeks ago. So that was pretty um, that was pretty awesome too. They got they're such a big awesome animal. It was about four hundred pounds probably. So oh yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's definitely the biggest 
the biggest animal I've gotten to shoot so far. So mm-hmm. that was that was exciting. And you were you using a 150 grain bullet? Yes. And it dropped him. And, yeah, 150 grain. He might have ran 15 yards or so, mm-hmm. and um, buckled right there. Nice. So nice. I was super. Yeah, I was super, super excited about that, especially when everybody with us was all, you know, kind of looking down on the 270 and then <laughs> smoked him. So. Let me tell you something about this here 270. <laughs> It'll put them down in their tracks. Yeah. I shot, uh, I've got an Oryx 2 on the wall. It's right right here in the studio. I shot mine with a little bit bigger caliber. It was a 250 grain, 50 caliber. Uh, yeah. Shot it with a muzzle loader. <laughs> so it was a... Uh, a little different, but I'll tell you this, that, that animal ran like 60 yards and didn't yeah. bleed at all. And I shot it with a 50 caliber. So, you know, I, I, Man, they're, they're, they're strong animals. Yeah. Yeah. Really strong animals. And yet we the 270 another, dumped another it over. So, yeah. Another yeah. guy shot one out there that same weekend and, and he ran and ran and ran and ran and we never found him. Oh man, well that's just heartbreaking. Little drops of blood here and there, and mm. just ran. God knows how far he ran. So. Probably shot it with a six-five Creedmoor, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Creed Nation. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Um, and Wyatt shot his with a three oh eight. So. Oh, nice. So, yeah. so he's six and a half. How is he handling that three oh eight? Do you have him just set up on on some kind of tripod henry shoots off the kofiega reaper grip um, but he's only shooting a 22 250 i haven't introduced him to anything bigger than that so we know he we it's an ar-10 that i've okay. had for a long time mm-hmm. that me and some friends built we all built ourselves one and it was it was set up with the fixed butt stock and all that back then so when he started getting a little bit more interested in hunting i've had the barrel knocked back to 18 inches mm-hmm and put a it's a got a collapsible buttstock on it but it's it's a little bit shorter than a normal collapsible buttstock so he can he can shoulder it up and um you know lean it on the edge of the deer stand and they they don't kick as bad as a rifle so right i mean it's a it's a good gun for him to shoot yeah for sure so that makes sense yeah Yeah. when you said 308 i was like he's six and a half henry's about to be eight I was like, "There's, I have a, you know, I have a 308 bolt gun, and I would, there's no way yeah. I would hand that to him, <laughs> it would knock him over." Well, I've got a 243, a uh-huh. youth model 243 that he's gotten handed down to him from his, my wife's uncle, and there's no way I would put him behind that thing yet. Yeah, it's a little bitty gun. I was, so. I was gonna say, even a 243 would have more uh, recoil than that that AR-10 308 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that AR-10 is the way to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's plenty of bullet for anything you need. Mm-hmm. Oh hell, he shot his buck with a 55 grain um, nozzler ballistic tip. I mean, not his buck, his doe. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's not a very big bullet, but shot placement. And uh, I've, I've been very pleased with how that bullet is, has functioned uh, for him. So. And it's a hot little round too. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he dropped her in her tracks. I was very excited for him. He's still been grinning from ear to ear, t- telling everybody he can about it. So, which is awesome. Oh yeah. Um, well, hey, what I what I want to talk about today is 
something most hunters appreciate, and that's a good pair of Western boots, cowboy boots. Um, how did how did you get into this business? So we, our family, was friends with the Carroll family, and Rocky Carroll owned RJ's Boots. That's here in Houston, or was here in Houston off Ella. So we, Rocky passed away a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I had called his daughter Sherry and told her that I wanted to get a pair of boots made because Rocky would not make square toe boots. He was only roper or French toe, kind of a dress boot. Mm-hmm. So I got a hold of Sherry. Um, there was a couple guys that worked there in the shop making boots. So I told her I wanted to get a pair of boots. She she got me in contact with Juan Alvarez, who was the main guy behind all the actual boot making. He's down in Mercedes. And... I called him one day and got ended up getting hooked up with him and me and a friend got a pair of boots made and then it just kind of stemmed off from there. So we, you know, you come into our shop here in Houston, do all the design work. I have all the skins and everything that you want. And then once you've signed off on all the detail and what you want, we, we ship it down to one in Mercedes and he makes everything down in his shop. So, oh, wow. And he's made some boots for, like, I think, what, President Bush? Yeah, so Rocky's deal was, was making boots for all the presidents. that he, he did, he's got a whole bunch of presidents under his belt, but I know for sure Bush Jr. and Sr. Um, I think he made a pair for Reagan. He did a bunch of boots for Ted Cruz. So he was big time into the politics and, and made a lot of boots for famous people, singers, Kenny Chesney. He had a pair of Kenny Chesney boots in there that he had made a long time ago. So yeah, he was, he was a pretty well-known guy. Well, so our, our, our mutual friend, Scott Routesong, um, he, he told me about you. He was like, you know, you guys need to get together and, and collaborate on a pair of boots. And I was like, well, that would be cool because I have a pair, uh, I have a, uh, an alligator skin that was, tan this beautiful chocolate color um one that i shot down at around anawak probably i don't know five years ago and that skin was just collecting dust in my office i wasn't doing anything with it and i had the intention of someday doing a pair of boots and just you know life happens and it just kept getting pushed further and further on down the road um so we met it we met at uh you were in town and we met up at like bass pro shops i think and i had yeah. just had foot surgery had had this uh, nerve damage, um, cut out. And so my foot was like swollen. So you like measure my left foot. I don't know if people realize though, even if my foot wasn't swollen, your, your feet are not mirror images of each other. Yeah. So you have to measure both of them individually. So, um, we waited for the swelling to go down finally. And then, you know, once again, life happened again and it kind of got pushed to the back burner. We finally got it done. My wife, took the measurements, sent it to you, and you had the skin already. Um, and we had gone through, when we had that meeting, we had gone through and picked out exactly the look that we wanted. I think I went with, what uh, what is it called, a French French toe? Yes, yes. So it's it's a kind of between a like a snip toe and a square toe. Mm-hmm. That's, the one, that's the look that I like. What is the most popular these days? I mean, square toe by far is... is Everybody wants square toe now. Okay. 
square toe or, or just like a regular old school traditional like roper style boot okay it just depends a lot of the older guys that come in they're you know they're hardcore roper toe and then all the younger guys that come in they're all square toe guys so and i'm somewhere in the yeah. middle <laughs> yeah somewhere in the middle is just fine i think it's cody jinx that says that uh yes sir yeah so i picked out i think it was was it i think it was like pig like hog skin in a cream color to go with that uh that dark chocolate uh, alligator skin and the um the cool thing is that actually the alligator's belly that most boots are made out of correct whether it's crocodile or alligator yeah it's it's usually the belly or or along the sides where it kind of gets you know you have more of a rectangular kind of tile on the belly and then on the sides it kind of starts ovaling off a little bit so so that's the two that you see more commonly mhm um but you know the the tails are a lot bigger pattern on them but they they vary so fast you can't you'd have to have two tails to get a pair of boots out of the tails so okay yeah we we use the belly mainly yeah but to be able to go out and shoot your own alligator and get it get the the hide tanned and then turn it into a pair of boots is like the ultimate package to me oh absolutely yeah and i'd always wanted to be able to say, you know, I'm walking around and someone's like, hey, nice boots. And I'm like, yeah, I actually shot this thing. I killed it and now I'm wearing it. And I like it because it's like primal to be able to like say that and wear that. But also yeah. I like the fact that you're utilizing the animal to the fullest um, in addition to just having, you know, a cool conversation piece. Absolutely. I mean, especially if someone says, hey, where'd you get those boots at? Mm-hmm. Well, first off, I went out and she got to shoot the alligator myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I think next I'm gonna if I can get enough black bear. I think I'd like to have like a like a grizzly Adams type of uh, coat. I think it would be awesome. <laughs> there you go. I don't know how many how many bears you need for that, but I'm thinking maybe like two or three would would get it done. But that would be probably cool. quite a bit because if you're gonna do it, you need to do it from shoulder like all the way down where it's like a full like a full size coat so maybe like three or four yeah all right well goals anyway uh someday but yeah but so i like the whole aspect of being able to customize the look of the boot exactly how i wanted to using like i said the skin from something that i harvested myself uh what what would you say is the most odd like animal skin someone has brought to you and said can you make a pair of boots with this but well no actually i did have a guy that had an axis skin an mm-hmm. axis doe hide and he wanted to make a pair of boots out of that we we didn't because it just kind of fizzled out but so it would have been like a like a calf skin vamp on the bottom and then the tops he wanted them done full out of you know the whole top out of that axis hide which i thought was pretty wild because you know it's just not something that you see at all, mm. but it definitely would have been unique. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, but that's probably the weirdest one that I've that I've had. Um, yeah, pe- I would have to say for sure that one. 
the people bring you most commonly alligator skins or I mean I know you can provide alligator skins too. Hell alligators are farmed um widespread. Yeah. So we not... get we get quite a few people that have their own alligator skins uh-huh. and then a lot of the guys that hunt in Africa have um you know, we've we've done some hippo for some people out of their own skin, uh rhino and then I've had a few people here recently reach out to me that have shot in some elephants and things like that that they're just waiting on getting the skins back from. So interesting. But, but alligators definitely the the most common. What about ostrich? I mean, I I haven't had the bug to shoot an ostrich, but I I mean they're certainly over there. I've been on three safaris and they're they're running around. They're plentiful. I've I've never had anyone bring me an ostrich skin. I would think that they would just because it's it's a more common boot, you know, ostrich boots been around for a long time. So, mm-hmm. but I've, I've never had anyone bring me an ostrich skin in. Oh, an ostrich quill boots, a beautiful thing for sure. I, I have a question about sea turtle. So when my wife's grandfather passed away, I inherited his uh, boot collection. And so I've got a pair of Lou Casey sea turtle boots that are probably from like the seventies. And, uh, the toes on one of them's a little worn out and they they're not a perfect fit for me. Can I get those things like restretched and like basically turned into a new boot? Yeah, so as long as they're not too old or or dried out, uh we would be able to use the same last that we made your boots out of. Mm-hmm. And we can tear the sole and the insole and everything off of those. And we would be able to relast them around your last, and they would fit just like your boots, your alligator boots would. Oh wow! Okay. So that's definitely something we can do for you. Yeah, but there—I mean, you can't sell them. I don't know what the, they're worth. It's in the thousands of dollars, I'm sure. Uh, but it's illegal to, uh, you know, to, I guess, to sell those at this point. Not that I'd want to sell them, but. Uh, so I I had asked, you know, we we have a lot of different distributors and stuff that we get exotics from, and I was asking one of them about that one day, and so they they told me that, you know, you could sell that pair of boots to somebody, but you you couldn't make boots and sell them out of the sea turtle skin. Okay. But if they're if they're already made, you know, you could buy them or trade them or work on them or whatever you want. Just, just no new ones. Hmm. Are there any other species that are that fall into that category? Man, not that I've ever, I've ever come across. Yeah. Um, well, I take that back. The anteater. They used to make boots out of anteater skin. Huh. And it, it's pretty similar to the the fish, like the big bass or the piruku boots that they have nowadays with the heavy scale on them. Yeah. And it looks like that, but if you skinned all that scale off, okay, so they almost have a little diamond pattern on them. Yeah, and I I don't think you can even get those anymore at all. Wow. Well, I'll just tell you this: as far as walking around in these boots, um, I didn't know what to expect, to be frank. But they're made from my foot, and it, it doesn't even feel like I'm wearing a, a Western style boot at all. Yeah, I mean, when you get your feet measured and and actually get a boot that fits right, it's it's a night and day difference. It, it's hard to explain to people until you just you get a pair made and 
it's a totally different fit. I mean, I have a pair of Lucchese Sand Shark boots that are, they're a sharp looking boot, but they hurt the arches of my feet. And it's no knock against Lucchese. That's a great company, make a nice boot, but nothing like something that is made specifically to fit you. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, Lucchese and them make great boots, but it's just it's a different in a different league whenever you get into the custom boots handmade your your measurements it's a total different ball game yeah oh and plus you guys uh made me a pretty sweet belt to go along with it and and that's actually you can look at the uh the size of the scales and it. it's a different piece of the alligator yeah correct that's that's more of the tail so the the tail is good for you know wallets and belts and things like that uh-huh. But it yeah, it's a it's a fine looking belt too. Yeah. I, I love the combo, man, and look sharp, feel great. Um where can where can folks find you guys, Wes? Uh Facebook and Instagram, Night Custom Boots. We do have a website too, but our, our Facebook and Instagram we definitely keep more updated with pictures and all that. So that that's the best place to to look and you know, that way you can get ideas if you want a pair and yeah, my number's on there. So, and you recently made uh, Cody Cannon from Whiskey Myers, one of our, I'm sure, mutual favorite bands. Uh, you made him a oh, yeah. pretty sweet pair of boots as well. Yeah, we made him a pair of rattlesnake ones last year. So, they uh, those turned out pretty pretty sharp looking. How many snakes do I need for a pair of rattlesnake boots? I think we used three for his. Okay. Uh, you know they're they're not real wide so you you take the belly out and then it's a three-piece vamp so you have to piece in two of the sides if you look at the picture on on the instagram you can see how it's sewed together yeah and and um yeah it's those are those are good looking boots awesome man there's pretty much nothing you guys rattlesnakes can't do yeah and the the cool thing is you don't have to come to the storefront if you want to do it you know like i said we mailed in my measurements my wife traced my foot took the measurements and then sent it to you guys um and then you know uh the boot showed up a few months later yeah yeah i mean it that works no problem we have a i've got a video that i will send to people and it kind of walks you through step by step so it's 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 fairly easy i couldn't be happier with uh with what you guys delivered so certainly appreciate that and highly highly recommend y'all services to anyone out there that you know whether they have the skin from something they killed themselves or otherwise yeah absolutely man any anyone who has skins y'all y'all feel free to call us if you have any questions at all so yeah, i know you've mentioned uh you mentioned possibly in the works on down the road a combo you know go on an alligator hunt and then have the boots made you guys take care of it all like one stop shop this year was kind of messed up with the storm. So last year we actually went out, I think we got five this past year. Um, but that's what we're working on for the future. So maybe next year we'll be able to do that where we can take people out, shoot it. You know, we'll take care of the processing, tanning this hide, everything. Perfect. And make boots at the end. So. Yeah. And then there's not that five-year wait like I had where I just was like, oh, what am I going to do with this skin? I need to do something oh, with yeah. this thing, you know, and then it goes in the closet. And then and then we moved, and then it was like, oh, forgot about it again. <laughs> that mean it happens all the time. Yeah. Well, hey, Wes, certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you. All right, our good buddy Wes Knight of Knight's Custom Boots.
Great stuff there. That segment brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Diamondback HD Spotting Scope Series. If you don't have one of these in your hunting kit, especially your backcountry kit, I don't know what you're waiting for. Vortex performance and quality. And starting at $5.99, a price tag the working man can afford. Make the perfect Christmas gift as well. Check it out. It's the Vortex Diamondback HD Spotting Scope Series. Vortex, the force of optics. Up next, we'll put a bow on the year that has been 2020 with SCI's Director of Governmental Affairs, Ben Cassidy, on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You're gonna be a singer and a big movie star, but you can't kiss no bricks, baby, and Hollywood is all. Now you work down at the timeout, I'll Guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up and rob you blind, well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at 3curl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. It's the holiday season And Santa Claus is coming round The Christmas snow is white on the ground When old Santa gets into town He'll be coming down the chimney down One of my favorites there from Andy Williams Bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show Happy holidays to you and yours Cable Smith here with you as always Thank you so much for dropping by Man, what a wild ride 2020 has been. It's been a hell of a year, as Parker McCollum would put it. And we're going to look back on 2020 and really the Trump administration's dealings with the hunting and conservation community. Was it good? Was it bad? What about Biden taking over? What does that mean for hunting and conservation? Uh, We'll visit on those topics with SCI's director, of Governmental Affairs, Ben Cassidy, momentarily. First, however, this segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land's the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. I know I do. Uh, Who wouldn't want a place to get out of the big city and hunt, fish, recreate, run cattle, drive four-wheelers, whatever? Uh, Lone Star Ag Credit has been making that dream a reality for their customers for over a century. They'll do the same for you. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. And now, without further ado, let's bring on our next guest. Joining us from Washington, D.C., Ben Cassidy of SCI, 
Thanks for dropping in. Yeah, it's great to be back, Cable. Thanks so much. A lot's changed since we last talked. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Hope you uh, had a great Thanksgiving, and I don't know if you were able to get into the outdoors, but uh, I, I hope you weren't stuck I, there I, in D.C. I was able to get into the outdoors, but the Ducks were not able to get into the outdoors. <laughs> at least that where I was. But. Yeah. Oh, well, I, we saw some of the same stuff here in Texas. It's just like – and, dude, it's crazy because I was thinking – you know, we had a pretty cold week, the week after Thanksgiving, this last week, and no ducks came down. So I guess it's still just they're drinking, you know, pina coladas up there in Kansas and yeah. Nebraska. And in our in our in the central flyway, that's what we need is it to get cold up there. Yep, exactly. Same for Atlantic. But yeah, I would just say don't lose faith. Keep getting out there. Your day will come. Yeah. My day will come. And <laughs> the duck's day will come. <laughs> the duck's day will come. Exactly. Right. So you're uh, you're in D.C. now? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I figured we would just kind of uh, do a little scatter shooting here on what 2020, you know, wrapping up 2020, some of the highs and lows, and then looking towards 2021. Um, I think one thing that needs to be mentioned was the – the uh, Bristol Bay Pebble Mine permit was rejected, and that's of uh, you know that's super significant as a conservationist. I think that's something we all um, can agree on was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, I mean that is just a home base for the largest population of salmon, right? I mean, right there, um, that alone warranted it to have that that you know I don't know how many looks it got. I mean, it's been kind of volleyball back and forth is the project on the project's off. Uh, but really did see, you know, the sportsman's community speak up loudly and it was really refreshing to see, you know, a white house administration that, that listened, um, and, and stood with conservation to, to protect that, you know, incredible, um, space. Yeah. Well, and I think the Trump administration across the board, um, I've been very pleased with, with, what they've done for hunting and conservation. Um, I did have a question though, as I, I read recently about their kind of shotgun attempt to sell off drilling permits in Alaska, like right on the, as the way, you know, on the way out of office. I don't know if there's any validity to that or not, but I figured you would certainly have more info on that. Yeah, I guess I would say that's kind of disingenuous to say that that's like sneaking it in at the last minute. I mean, that's been a huge priority going back to Ted Stevens, you know, long, long time history there of, we're talking about uh, what they call 1002, uh, you know, it used to be referred to as ANWR. Um, but that, that's been a, been a fight for a long time and really spearheaded by the people of Alaska. I mean, it's their resources. They know how to manage their land the best. So it's empowering them to be able to, um, you know, sustainably and appropriately following best science, um, utilize their, their resources. So I think it's taken a lot of courage to finally see it through. Um, it's been on a lot of different, you know, administrations in the past uh, priority list, but it actually being accomplished um, all the way up to, you know, I think it's a term, a four-year term, like a thousand four hundred some days, um, and, and getting it done um, at the finish line, I think uh, deserves credit. Um, as a matter of fact. Well, you know, anytime you hear about, oh, they're going to drill in Alaska, immediately, you know, negative thoughts come to one's mind. When you put it like that, I'll I'll say it's kind of, um, 
it kind of mirrors what the left or the anti-hunting um, group does in Africa or attempts to do in Africa. It's like, well, it's their resource, but we're going to tell you how to do it. And so we don't really give a crap about what you think. This is how you should do it. And for Americans to be so um, just pompous and arrogant about that in the way that they, they try to dictate to African countries how they can and can't or should and shouldn't manage their wildlife and their resources is completely asinine. Uh, so Asinine and arrogant. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the, the one thing that a lot of the, those critics all have in common is they haven't spent time on the ground in these places. They haven't been to, to 1002, um, you know, and been bit by uh, black flies out there. They haven't spent time, you know, with the rural communities in Africa and seen, you know, how this is a central piece to how they, they survive and what happens uh, in the absence of, you know, hunting opportunities uh, being open um, internationally. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it is arrogant and asinine is a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it pisses me off, to be frank. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, Endlessly. Yeah. And that anger never goes away. <laughs> no, no. You know, it, and it, I've been thinking about this a lot as the news has been coming out of people that have been in these trials for the vaccine and we all know the vaccine's coming it's coming quickly and when trump said that in the last debate i kind of snickered and was like yeah right he's just saying that but it turned out to be very much true but the downside is is like i'm looking at people who are saying they had 105 degree fever and we just don't know a lot about the effectiveness of the vaccine because it was done so quickly um as someone who travels to different countries and and you know, is doing international tra- international travel for, for the purpose of hunting and fishing regularly, multiple times a year. I find that concerning, and I don't. And, and the reason why is like, what if these countries say you have to have the vaccine to come in? Well, I don't want to take a vaccine that doesn't work, you know, or that makes me sick. Uh, so I I think we're going to see a lot of this, and I just I don't think the hunting community has really thought much about that. Um, but I'm looking at it, you know, I have a trip to South Africa in February. Um, and I'm like, are they going to make me take the vaccine to come in? I don't know. Do I want to take the vaccine? So I think we're going to see a lot of that in our circle in the hunting. Yeah, and who do we mean by they, too? Is it the governments that are mm-hmm. saying it? Will it be the airlines that are saying it? I mean, we know as hunters, you know, there are certain airlines that are friendlier to, to hunters than others are. You know, where are they going to fall on on their requirements. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that there is a silver bullet fix to, you know, what this global problem has been, uh, not, not even a vaccine. It'll be treatments and everything else, but also just how, um, how, you know, the solutions are rolled out. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot of rubber hitting the road. Well, and I'm not like sitting here saying vaccines are a bad thing. I mean, they've cured many diseases no. and, and vaccines obviously are a way to, to keep us all healthier, but I don't want one that, um, might not, might not be really ready to just start putting into millions of people um, yeah. with these. I mean, I don't want a 105 degree fever. I had, I just now, I'm, uh, today's my last day of quarantine from COVID and I had a, basically a headache and a, and a uh, body ache for a day and a half. And then by day three, I was lifting weights by day five, I was duck hunting. So, you know, mm-hmm. but it affects everyone different. My mom has been, she's taken it very hard. So, um, hard to hear that yeah but you know she's 30 years older than me so uh i think it will be certainly interesting and then i saw that uh it, it was like the uh, the director of canada's version of you know their their health commission 
saying it, it, this was what I read the other day. Like, if you don't take the vaccine, you're going to be limited to where you can move around. Well, what does move around even mean? It, basically, the way I read it was you're going to have to be still in isolation or away from people that have vaccinated. So, um, yeah, that's that's some high level pressure right there. Yeah, I just, it, just... It, it, we're in these uncharted waters currently, and with the change in the administration, I know that you know that mirrors what's going to happen politically. So how is SCI preparing for what's coming up in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think our preparation has been, you know, throughout the year, just keeping our relationships strong with, you know, the administration, but also all the civil servants, you know, that are working in the departments. Uh, you know, a big piece of our preparation was all the work that we laid out during um, the elections in November. Mm -hmm. um, from SCI, you know, um, our, 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 like uh, we have a you know a political action committee called SIPAC, and we have a super PAC called the Hunter Action Fund. Um, and from our engagement through those, it was it was it was a it was a, it was a good night for us. You know, 95% of the um, members and candidates that we supported uh, won their their election or their reelection. Um, we invested really heavily through our super PAC um, in independent expenditures. Um, and, and through our PAC. Um, so, so mailing and doing digital advertising, uh, really focused in statewide races um, in Alaska, uh, Montana, and Alabama. Um, all three of, you know, the candidates that, that we supported um, won on election day. Um, so th those were big successes. It was really a big relief to see, you know, our, our former uh, federal legislator of the year, uh, Senator Steve Daines of Montana, uh, win. He mm -hmm. won in what was a, Mon a Montana blowout. Wouldn't be a blowout in Texas, uh, but, you know, 60,000 votes. And um, I think it, we really played a role there um, being the only, you know, PAC, super PAC um, that were speaking directly to hunters, uh, targeted to hunters on hunting issues about why they needed to get out and vote. So educating and activating. We did that, you know, for 90,000 folks in Montana. So want to say that we helped make a difference there. So yeah, um, that's to say that, you know, the work that we put in ensured that our champions came back. Um, new champions um, are, 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 are going to be sworn in on January 3rd. Um, the Senate is still in play. Uh, need to have a firewall in place. You know, these Georgia runoffs are going to be critical. That'll determine who's in control of the Senate. Um, I'd say for for sportsmen, uh, divided government is is a good thing, um, particularly if, if, if you know with, with seeing um, the White House change hands uh, come January, mm -hmm. uh, be critical that, to have that that Senate. Well, I don't. I hate the Georgia, yeah. the way that they do it. Obviously, I mean, Purdue won by two full points, and yet he has yeah. to go back and win again. And I've seen a lot of Republicans conservatives say that they're not even going to go vote because of what they've seen happen with the presidential election. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist there. I'm just like saying they're disenfranchised already. So that's hard. That's heartbreaking for me to read their comments, like on a place like parlor where it's like, I'm not even going to vote. And I'm like, you need to vote now more than ever. We can't lose the Senate. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it goes beyond Georgia. Obviously it's critical to Georgia, but it's critical to, you know, the entire country. I mean, that's, you know, the the Senate remaining in Republican hands means that the filibuster rule doesn't get thrown out, the tax breaks don't get scrubbed and taxes go up, um, you know, D.C. and Puerto Rico don't become states and 
put, you know, Republicans in a permanent minority. Um, they don't pack the, the Supreme Court, on on all these about, things. About, pack the Supreme Court. The list goes on and on about about what, why it's so critical. Um, also, just, you know, I think it, it, it really represents, you know, what we saw for, from, from the results. And, you know, there wasn't a mandate either way. Um, it is a divided country, you know. Uh, Trump, for being an incumbent, got, got the most votes that an incumbent has ever received. Um, mm-hmm. So it, I, I think that it, it's more reflective of where we are today to have that, that divided government. In place. Yeah. We are going to work in a quick commercial break right here. Uh, when we come back, I want to get into the transition into the Biden administration and what that potentially means for the uh, hunting and conservation communities. That segment of the show was proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. Let me tell you something cool. Uh, Due to the state of affairs in the world and COVID pandemic, we had somebody cancel their trip. Oh, that's unfortunate for them. It means that there is a $2,000 deposit waiting for you to take advantage of it. That's right. So if you want to take advantage of that opportunity, plus the fact that flights are like $1,300 round trip, um, usually they're about double that. Uh, So... Now's the time to go. The date is February 20th through the 28th. If you want more information, just shoot me an email to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. This will be my fourth safari with John X, and I promise you once you go, you'll want to go back. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, send me an email, and I'll get you the details. We'll be right back with more from SCI's Ben Cassidy on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Gonna take him straight to hell There were tears on her face when her eyes turned black Didn't know a 12-gauge would kick like that But he's never gonna hit her again He's never gonna hit her again Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat. And it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, QuietCat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. They unchained my feet, they unshackled my hands, and they let me go instead of that innocent man. I've got a second chance, I'm gonna make it count, make my way out west, maybe head down south, live a life of a pardon man. That's our very own Jason Eady bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show, Barabbas, the name of that tune. Cable Smith here with you. Thank you for dropping by as we are still visiting with SCI's Director of Governmental Affairs, Ben Cassidy. We're going to pick it back up with Ben here momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by Stealth Cam's new Fusion 
wireless cell camera. I've got, well, how many? Four, five? I think I have six of these bad boys now spread out over two different properties. And they send pictures directly to the cell phone. Great quality with a price tag. I think they're like 150 bucks, something like that. The most affordable cell camera that you're going to find, it's the Fusion from StealthCam. You can find it at StealthCam.com. Uh, well, Ben, you know, we talked a little bit about what the Trump administration has done over the past four years when it comes to the realm of hunting and conservation. Let's now shift towards the incoming administration. And I haven't researched this, but I, I know that it's going to be coming up um, because it was such a big thing with Obama and then Trump trying to clean up his mess. But what about trophy importation policy? Has Biden given any idea as to what he's going to do with the big five uh, and possibly other international trophies, but, you know, specifically leopard, lion, elephant, rhino, and Cape Buffalo? Yeah. uh, I mean, I would say, you know, with the election results, it wasn't done on a, on a, on a mandate, you know, um, from the platform. It was basically Biden running from his basement um, on COVID, Mm -hmm. COVID, COVID, COVID. So that, that, that's where the decision ended up falling. Um, so he didn't win on, on some strong platform on, on, on banning trophies, uh, which is, which is fortunate, but you know, we do watch it very closely. Um, it was in the summertime, you know, on his first, um, tele town hall or virtual zoom town hall, which was, you know, everyone kind of chuckled about for all the technical difficulties it had, but between technical difficulties and glitches, um, he was asked about, uh, trophy importation. And he did respond that he would shut it all down. And then he pivoted to saying how he wrote the ESA. Not true. Did not write the Endangered Species Act. Um, and it, I mean, I don't know if it was a knee-jerk reaction or or something that he really thought about was shutting down trophies. But, you know, he is on, on the record saying it. But um, hmm. I always, you know, point out, you know, personnel is policy. Um, these are uncharted waters. You don't know who's going to be in place for, you know, the Department of the Interior, but, you know, where Fish and Wildlife is housed. Um, that'll be the ones that really determine uh, trophy importation. You know, right now they, they've been rolling out um, all the, the nominees to be, you know, Treasury or over at, you know, Health and Human Services, uh, you know, the departments, agencies that really are part of that, that, that COVID push. You know, mm-hmm. the transition, his transition Biden's is we have three priorities and that's COVID, COVID, COVID. So we haven't really seen any a, a name, you know, put up yet. We've seen a lot of chatter you know in dc about who it might be um a lot of those names give me great heartburn you know last week the hot name was deb holland congresswoman from yeah Mm. uh you're aware of her she's congresswoman from your neighbor in new mexico but she um she she's about as on the record as possible on trophy import some folks don't don't have any record on it and they can kind of be slippery and slimy about you know where they stand on something but she uh she's a co-sponsor of the cecil act which is a trophy ban on, on, you know, African iconic species. Um, she voted for it in committee. Uh, so she's about as on the record as it comes. So that gives great, great hard work. Terrible, terrible. And the good, the good thing is if you have divided government, you have, you know, Republicans in control, if you've got to go through a confirmation process, they'll ask her these, these questions about how she'll let, you know, best science guide her decision-making and, you know, enhancement of the species. Um, get her on the record, at least, um, if she even makes it that far. So... I mean, New Mexico's politics just disgust me. Uh, I spent two weeks there on two different trips. Did an elk hunt, 
went back and did a, a black bear hunt and some grouse hunting and fly fishing this uh, mm -hmm. in September and then in October. Love New Mexico. I'm there every year. And my outfitter for the uh, elk hunt, he was like, dude, my kids aren't even back in school. And they're, they, they're still not back in school. Crazy. And the propaganda there is you driving down the highway, man, it is, it is eye-opening. It's just fear-mongering, fear-mongering, fear-mongering about COVID. That's all it is, everywhere you look. Like walking around Taos, um, spent the night in Taos before I drove home and went to uh, get a burger somewhere. And I'm walking around and everyone's wearing a mask outside. And I was like, what are these people doing? Like, <laughs> they're outdoors. And then I, I look it up and it's like a state mandate. Like, you have to wear a mask if you're outside. I'm like, I'm not doing that. You can write me a ticket, whatever. Uh, it does not, does not sound like the West to me. I mean, that sounds like D.C. or our suburbs here. Terrible man, terrible. What's yeah, the, but uh, but yeah, that that she would be a terrible, terrible choice for uh, Secretary of the Interior, no doubt. Yeah, so I mean, we're just gonna keep tracking and monitoring, you know, and hold anyone that that does become the nominee accountable and, and get him on the record. Um, yeah. But again, you know, there, there's that continuity in, in government where you have you know career civil servants and. We have a lot of really great relationships with folks over there. You know, they've regularly attended, regardless of who the president was, you know, Obama or Trump, our African Wildlife Consultative Forum. These are folks that work in international affairs for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, they they follow, you know, the direction of Fish and Wildlife, which is it's in it, it's in their mandate in Fish and Wildlife. You know, that hunting is a critical uh, tool uh, for conservation. Um, we have, you know enhancement of the species um in in place um so if 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 someone goes in and chooses to not uh recognize what the mandate is you know we'll hold them accountable with our crack team of lawyers yeah um, i just hope it just had to get to that <laughs> sure sure well we're almost out of time i did want to mention one other thing um i love getting the the uh email press release it's kind of like what what sci is doing um in in conservation and hunting and then politically uh, and I think that yeah. comes out every two weeks. Um, and so I was reading the last one, the, the update, and there was this, I guess this loophole that I don't know if it had been exploited, but I know California tried to do this. Like just because you have um, permission to import something doesn't mean you can have it in your possession. Like what, how, how does that even hold water? Like, but, but of course the anti-hunting community will grab onto anything they can. And so, just saying that, you know, now I have an import permit to them doesn't mean that you have, you know, once you've imported it doesn't mean you have the ability to have it in your possession. It's crazy, right? But uh, I know yeah, you guys it's were totally trying. crazy. Yeah. I'm so happy that you brought that up, Cable. Um, we, we, we just um, submitted a petition to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service asking for them to clarify um, that importation does, in fact, mean, uh, does, in fact, include uh, possession. It's not stated literally. Uh, it's understood that that's what it means, but it is being exploited and abused, like you said, a loophole. And that's really been the ground for for uh, uh, the California legislation on um, on, on uh, uh, trophy bans for yeah. iconic species. Um, so if we're able to have something like it's not even controversial, but have something like that clarified and just put in like literal language that that they are one and the same. Um, it could really shut down uh, that bill because basically what they're doing is overriding uh, the Endangered Species Act um, by using that argument. So 
so it's total abuse inappropriate i mean it's creative thinking on on their part just twisting of of words and finding meaning that isn't there right um i can bring it back into the country but then i don't have the right to have it in my possession okay to have it yeah totally bogus it makes no sense 2020 it's uh common sense has gone the way of the passenger (laughs) pigeon yeah it's not even on the esa anymore it's it's extinct yeah yeah um yeah so um that's something that that we're working with uh, Fish and Wildlife Service to, to try to get fixed, uh, you know, through, through this petition. I mean, mm-hmm. something that could be done, you know, hopefully before the end of the year as, as we wind down. Because um, we know that in California, we're going to see that bill reintroduced. You know, it, it was defeated this year. Um, you know, I would point to that as, you know, one of the shining successes of this year is shutting it down. Really, credit goes to, you know, everything that, you know, the voices from Africa did, all the wildlife managers in Africa speaking up, mm-hmm. getting on, you know, hearings in Sacramento at really bizarre times for them, given the time difference. Um, but really um, threw a wrench in the argument, made it out to be what it is. And it's just, you know, that colonialist mindset, that arrogance of we know how to manage your resource better than you. <laughs> right, um, right. So that, that's one that we're going to anticipate fighting again, try to figure out every creative way that, that we can to punch back at it. And one easy fix is, you know, just clarifying that importation is possession. Right. Which it's mind blowing that it, it could even be misconstrued as anything other than that. But here we are in right. 2020. So, um, <laughs> well, hey, we're we're out of time, Ben. I certainly appreciate the conversation. Uh, if folks yeah. want more information or they want to join us in the fight with SCI, they can go to uh, safariclub.org. I certainly encourage you to do that. Uh, they have one-year, three-year, uh, or lifetime memberships. I'm a proud member, and so uh, I think everyone should explore that because SCI is doing, like we've just talked about here today, uh, amazing things, necessary things for the hunting and conservation communities. So we appreciate all your effort there in D.C., man. Absolutely. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it and it wasn't needed, right? No, no, it is paramount, especially right now. So thanks again, and I look forward to our next conversation. Likewise, Cable. Thanks so much, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. You too, brother. There he goes, Ben Cassidy, joining us from Washington, D.C., SCI's Governmental Affairs Director. Always great talking policy and, and how that can impact you and I as hunters Uh, Going forward, that segment of the show brought to you by the Pulsar Helion 2.0 thermal monocular. And, of course, our friends over at Lone Star Beer and the new Rio Jade Mexican-style lager Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Unfortunately, we got to go. Got to get out of here flat out of time. Uh, Had a lot of fun today. Thanks to all of our guests, Ben Cassidy. Uh, also Wes Knight of Knight's Custom Boots and Henry Guy Smith. We'll do it again same time, same place next week with a Christmas special. Going to change things up a bit, so tune in to find out exactly what's going on next week. But you're going to hear some great Christmas tunes. I promise you that. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until then... I'm Cable Smith wishing you and yours a Merry Christmas. And y'all have a great week in the outdoors. And two good spare tires. Now our windshields are painting that hangs in our room. It changes each smile like the radio tune. We got up above.
We'll make it all love. 